Up there in the sky, it's a bird, a plane. It's Handsome Boys Comics Hour. Those boys are so handsome. One Dark Side. One High Father. One Fortnightly Discussion of Comics and Nerd Culture. I'm your host, Robbie Darman, literature geek and writer. I'm your other host, Eric Z. Goodnight, professional artist and illustration nerd. And we are the Handsome Boys Comics Hour, your home for news, reviews, slightly antagonistic banter, and much, much more. This is episode 226. I didn't think you'd make me High Father. You wanted I was be... going to do it. I was going to do a Dark Side voice. I'm, I'm sorry. It's okay. You can still. We, be... have, to, we, ha- we have to live with the past. Do we? I mean, yes. I'm not it, sure about it, anything anymore, Eric. It, 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 well, it's true. What is real? I don't know. It to be to be honest, what's real is is pretty surreal. Surreal. The, yeah, the president's picking a fight with the Navy SEAL that was part of the 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 uh, the Bin Laden mm-hmm. uh, raid. Mm-hmm. So. <sighs> The world's pretty dumb right now. I was alluding more to the comic book you read this week. Well, that's that. That's also something that I would my we're yeah. Hey guys, hi. We are uh, discussing Mister Miracle in Nerdboy Book Club today. I would my my pre suggestion is don't read that before you go to bed. You know, it didn't trouble me that much, but I'm I'm looking forward to jawing about it i think it'll be fun i wouldn't use the word trouble more i don't know i don't i don't think i have the right word for it because everything is it, too it, it 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 ruined your sleep though apparently it made me it it made me it made it hard to go to bed that's it. i laid away was it like after was it like after watching dominion no different no different that's <laughs> a different that's a different thing different feeling it's... a different complex ser- series of emotions yeah that was very that was very like joyous. This is more mm-hmm. melancholy. Mm-hmm. Somber almost. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But we'll talk we'll, about we'll, we'll talk look, <laughs> will we talk about it? We'll talk about it later. I was gonna say I'm looking forward to our discussion. <laughs> yes. Uh before that we can we can talk about some comic books that came out um uh I mean the past couple of weeks. I mean Mr. Miracle twelve came out the past couple of weeks. So that's also appropriate. But it is time for our first segment. It's time for Floppy's Fortnightly. <laughs> Lobby's Fortnightly is where uh, Eric and I review a selection of the past couple of weeks' books, tell you to buy or do not buy them. There is a mush meter goes from one to five if we're feeling mushy. Our first book is Uncanny X-Men, number one, written by Ed Brisson, Matt through Ed Brisson, Matthew Rosenberg, and Kelly Thompson, with art by Mahmoud Azrar, colors Rochelle Rosenberg, letters Joe Caramagna. There are, are multiple backup stories in this. Um, written by and drawn by other people. I'm not going to... If they were all just listed in the front, I could just read them all at once. So I'm going to go to five different pages to read all the credits in this book. But there's backup stories that are set prior to the main story. So it's somewhat confusing about what happens happens when. Well, it wouldn't be X-Men if the timeline wasn't like a big pile of shit. So, uh, Wildside is in this comic book. 
Is that the dollar store Wolverine? Yep, that is precisely what Wild Side is. I would say I, I, I would I, say dollar I like store line. I would say dollar store Sabretooth versus the Wolverine. Well, he's got Wolverine hair. I mean, Sabretooth, I felt like it was. It, I felt like it was accurate enough to say, say that. I mean, I think I'm just saying a dollar store Sabretooth is even more worthless than a dollar store Wolverine. I mean, you're not you're not wrong. What about a Walmart Batman? That's the other company. It's the distinguished competition. You're telling me I can't tell the difference between Sabretooth and Batman? What does this come to? I don't know. We're this is hey, it's a new Uncanny X Men. They're making another. <laughs> they did this again. It's there. This is going to be a weekly series for the X Men Disassembled Part One. I guess mm-hmm. that there's going to be they're going to be publishing this weekly for nine weeks and telling this story about X Men Disassembled. Um. So, who knows going to live? Some like at least three of these people, three people in this cover are going to be dead by the end of this. Um, who knows who? It's usually it's the role of the disassembled storylines. I, I, I want to be excited about this, Eric. Yeah, I, I think there's good in it. There's good parts to it, and I understand where you're coming from. I think there's some stuff in here that's compelling, and I am very interested in like this multiple man storyline and you know totally some of it feels very good and positive um but i am having a hard time being that excited about it and it sounds like you might be kind of in the same place that i am that that i'm struggling to really say why i mean I think a part of it, like, there's nothing necessarily, I wouldn't point to any one thing and say, this is wrong. This is bad. It just feels, you know, like, we don't have a big bad yet. We don't know who the villain is of all of this. All we know is that they're strong enough to have captured Apocalypse, which I don't remember. I don't, I, this tells you how dialed in X-Men I am. I have no idea when proper Apocalypse came back around. I thought, I I mean, didn't it happen roughly when it was it was back around uh sixus wasn't it oh god when they grew up when they grew up little baby like awesome child apocalypse i thought he was still teenager apocalypse no he became fully grown Ugh. apocalypse then sixus is terrible sixus is terrible sixus is so bad um, i don't even remember what i don't even remember what sixus was actually called it was called was Ax- it nexus axis 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 <laughs> Yeah, I don't even remember. Everyone immediately went, that looks like Sixus. Why are we? <laughs> no one. Well, we. I think we all kind of thought it, but Matt actually thought it was Sixus. <laughs> well, we might as well just call it that forever now. Um, that shit stuck. But so we don't. I, I mean, like, I, I think I would have maybe if they revealed that I would have been a little bit more interested. Uh, You know, oh, they captured Apocalypse. That's something. But they also have Kitty Pride, And then white bread senator man which is maybe that's the thing that is like the little the little doubt i have is they have white bread senator man and he's like yeah we can't let the mutants be people anymore mm-hmm. and then jubilee in the audience i think is saying like hey remember the last time this happened it was this white bread senator dude and he was saying we don't exist or we shouldn't there shouldn't be any more mutants and i'm like well 
lampshade and your own the own the, you using reusing the trope that they've used like five times in x-men storylines does not make it better no me i don't know like and they've kidnapped him but why i don't know i don't know i i'm i the thing that i think what you said the multiple man thing of him like oh we're apparently traveling through time and disrupting things trying to get to kitty that's an interesting story and that is i think the hook that i'm actually interested in yes I, i don't really Seeing Apocalypse there in a big room with the senator and Kitty, um, are they are they outside? I don't even know what's happening. They're in like there's there's flowers growing back there, so I don't know what's they're in like some concrete place. I guess I don't know what's going on, but that doesn't like yeah, it's a mystery, but it's not like the mystery that's really I don't know. There's there's a lot of things juggling. There's a lot of balls up in the air, and like only a few of them are the ones that are hooking me, and maybe that's what they're betting on. That if they right. if they have enough things going on at once, some one of the things will land with any mm. one any one reader. Um, I mean, I think it looks good. I think it looks nice. I think the writing is good. Like I think all the characters have are consistent and with and have their voices are are good. Um, I like that there's some of the younger quote unquote younger X Men, even though they, some of these characters that oh we don't ever mm-hmm. get attention. They're twenty years old. Like they God, got is it really twenty? I was gonna say fifteen. They a, they were built. They Grant Morrison in his new yeah. X Men run made half these characters, and Jesus. I mean armor armor was in astonishing, and that was twenty years ago. At this point, basically, that was uh, Joss Whedon. So they're not really new characters. Um, I think X twenty three is Sheet Laura is young, a newer character than any of them, and she's a proper grown up now. Apparently, that's what they say. Um, mm. time makes fools of us all I suppose Does um, we get new non-Asian Psylocke um, new, new-ish I guess is the newest change in any of these characters I think I'm a buy with a mush of something yeah I think I, I mean I could go all the way on this this is an $8 damn book it is an $8 damn book I was about to say that's the other maybe other point is Mm-hmm. eight dollars i don't i couldn't find a version of this that isn't the director's cut on comiXology and the direct the director's cut is eight dollars that's a lot of, yeah that's a spicy meatball mm-hmm. I, I could frankly live without this book it, it does it has some glaring flaws and um it's, it, it's not so hooking to the point that i say like oh this is a this is like a must read story Mm-hmm. You know, I, I I think you can you can sleep on this one. Yeah, yeah. the eight dollars thing is catching. It's a it's a it's a bit. That's a lot of money. You could buy basically buy a trade like you could buy the first trade of Saga mm-hmm. for for less than that on Amazon. Actually, it's like five dollars yeah. on Amazon. And Holy shit! Six dollars. It's really cheap. Um, but so I there's it's not. I wouldn't say it's bad, but it's not eight dollars good. No, not even close. And I don't. The backup stories don't give me anything. There's not. They're enough, not putting. They're not putting it over anyway. There's not enough meat in there for me to go. Mm-hmm. Oh, this is eight dollars worth. It's just like a bunch of st- stuff happening, and I don't. They're. They're. Yeah, they're pretty fluffy. To be perfectly honest, it's a bunch of nothing. They didn't really give them any juicy points to 
to write or talk about and there's no there's no fun or interesting action scenes or character moments in hardly any of them like i the the gene gray backup is all right but, but it's, it's all, just kind of all right. And it's just laying out a bunch of mysteries, and you gotta give me yeah. more than that, I guess. I don't know. None of them are that intriguing. X-Men has mm-hmm. not been, not been the, any, like, the recent, like, the past five X-Men events, all of them, I have not cared. And they've none of them have mattered. Like, X-Men versus mm-hmm. humans, like, the only thing that mattered out of this was Cyclops dying, and now they're bringing it back again, because of course they are. But... And we all knew it. Yeah, and that's the other thing, like, I, they are already starting to solicit the thing that happens after this, which is like a Wolverine Cyclops book. Why does this matter then? I don't. That, if there's not if there's not meaningful character in it, and com- comics actually seem to design their storylines to not fucking matter. To be perfectly honest, yeah, you're like it's a thing before the next thing that might matter. They keep fucking doing that, and. It's all you get is a bunch of weak shit. And I don't but I don't know. I Maybe be, it's just the nature of the thing. I would be more forgiving if it wasn't eight dollars. Yeah. I would I would go, oh that's I if it was four dollars or even three dollars, I would be more on board. But I have to buy this one for nine straight weeks. Is this every di- version gonna like are they ever gonna put the regular version on comicsology? The non director's cut version that I can buy for four dollars and just get the story I want and not a hundred pages of scripts? I mean, that's fine, but it's not 1987. There's plenty of places to find comic scripts online. Hell, Jim Zub gives them away for free. Mm-hmm. Or for $2 on his Patreon. You can get everything he's ever written. Uh, yeah, I'm a do not buy, too. I think you've convinced me. Good. Not for any, like, again, it's not it's not bad, but it's not. I need yeah. something to be better than just not bad for me to spend $8 on it. I don't know if Marvel realizes how much shit costs. It's like it's like uh, rich people not know how much a carton of milk costs. <laughs> yeah. Can it cost more than $20, right? That's it a... needs to be flown in from the from Nepal. Mm-hmm. I mean, you have to. Yeah, exactly. Uh, it's a double do not buy on Candy X-Men number one. Next up is Marvel Knights. Number one, written by Donnie Cates. Pencils, Travel Foreman. Inks, Derek Friedolfs. Colors, Matt Miller. Letters Corey Pettit. So, old Marvel Knight series is 20 years old. The thing that, it's the stuff that brought Marvel out of the the void that was the late 90s. They were books that were good. There's a, a whole bunch of them. So, you know, I think the ones that stand on my mind are the Punisher and the Inhuman book, but there's, all of them are at least good, if not great. Uh, now there's 20th anniversary, and now they're doing this, which is, I, I guess, like, I don't know what this is, honestly. I have no idea what's happening. <laughs> like, it's, uh, and I don't know, like, that's not necessarily bad, but I went into this thing blind, much like Matt Murdock. And... Well, got blind jokes. Yep. And... I'm in the same place he is, not knowing what the fuck is happening. And mm-hmm. the Punisher is a cop, and he's got Bruce Banner in a van, and he's got a list of people. Um, Doom's here, and he's in char- I guess he's responsible for everyone losing. I don't, again, it's not like they've lost their memory, because some of them have it still. Ben Grimm's still like a dude, maybe. 
It's hard to Maybe. say. Is he's because I I don't know what's going on, Eric. How, what is happening? What do I do? Yeah, it's 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 a lot of soft weird shit. But frankly, I find it very compelling. I think it's incredibly interesting. Um, I don't know. I'm I'm reading it as some weird else world story. Um, things are just familiar but a little bit different. And obviously, all of these heroes have kind of had their memories wiped and just sort of think that they're ordinary people. And I, I, I like it. I'm, I'm, I'm interested. I think it is, it is a weird anomalous thing. And I like the way that, uh, that Donnie tells the story. What do you think about the art? Um, there are some really interesting and great looking pages. I like this, uh, primary story better. How many different people are doing this though? Cause it doesn't look, yeah, it's one person. It's 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 oddly inconsistent, and I kind of like the the wispier sort of style, which might have been done because he was rushed. Like, but I kind of like that. But there's there's a lot. I think there's a lot of good material in here. A lot of good pages. It's 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 interesting looking, and I'm like I'm compelled to find out what this mystery is. Okay, so what if I told you that the second issue is written and drawn by a different different team? I'm not into that, but I can live with it. I'm s- more compelled to find out what um, what's going on in the story. Even though I, I mean, I would definitely prefer one artist. I don't understand why that's just like the the fucking modus operandi at at Marvel now. Well, I mean, I believe that is the, the this, this entire series is just going to be like a showcase. Each issue is like I, a different team, and I and I don't I don't get the value of that personally. I don't. I wonder if that really like compels people. People talk about how like there's no superstar artists anymore, like there were in like the '90s. But like I don't know, give people time to like do a whole book i don't under, i don't get it whatever who cares i mean i think that uh, what's not that's a larger discussion it'll take us half an hour um, i i well there we go <laughs> it's another day um i i i'm interested yeah i am just te- i'm tentative about the format and the structure mm-hmm. of this and if it's it, okay i i i i feel your hesitation there um, but it, I think even with, with that knowledge, it doesn't, it doesn't change my vote. You're straight up a buy. Yeah, I think I am. Okay. My, not tempered at all. I, I think my concern is, is if this is just house of M, I don't want that. So you're saying the story has been done in house of M. I mean, house I of M, read it. house of M is, um, the Scarlet Witch basically wiping everyone's mind and putting them all in a new world. Where the Magneto is like a world ruler along with a bunch of other superpowered people, and like, and it's a the whole world is a bunch of nation states basically, all ruled by you know Namor, Magneto, T'Challa, you know, different broken up that way throughout the whole world. And but Magneto is like the de facto ruler of the most powerful nation, and no one remembers everything, and everything is sort of the same, but not quite. And everyone has like their self powers, and they're and they're so round, but they don't remember anything about the previous lives. And you know, like, um, 
I'm just trying to remember of a specific character. Wolverine's the one that remembers everything. And so he, you know, that's how the story is told. You you see everything through Wolverine's eyes where he's wanting, like Matt Murdock here. Mm-hmm. You're like, oh, we see him. Oh, now he remembers everything. Oh, shit. And House of M is the same way where Wolverine remembers everything before no one else does. And he's trying to convince people. And he's like, he goes to Reed Richards. He goes to Spider-Man. Peter Parker is like a successful businessman or something. I forget what's what's happening in that. I think Peter Parker mm-hmm. actually, Peter Parker actually is like, man, I think Mary Jane never died. Uh, no, Gwen Stacy never died. So he's married to her and they have a kid. Hmm. House of M's, it's it's fine. I don't think House of M's bad. It looks, it's beautiful. I think that's my the main takeaway from House of M. It, it's uh, drawn by uh, Koi Pell. It's a gorgeous comic. But if that is this again, just with a different, like, oh, it's Doom this time. Yeah. <sighs> I can see how that's kind of weak sauce. I'm a, I'll I say where, I get where you're coming from. I'm like I'm, I'll say I'm a mushy buy. Like I think there's not there's nothing wrong with this issue. I think this issue is strong. It looks nice. Uh, I I it's weird seeing Frank Castle in a cop in a, as a detective, but whatever. Um, I'm hey, having Doom with Crossbones and Taskmaster. I, that's cool. I'm I'm like a mush meter too. Okay, that's just me worried about the future like always. Um, I think bring up some salient points. Uh, it's double by uh, Marvel Knights number one with a mush meter of one. Our next book is Avengers number 10 slash 700. 10, 700. Well, it's number 10 in this volume, but level number legacy number 700 because they have to do both. That's not confusing yeah. to anyone. I'm sure no one's confused by that. No. Uh, um, see, written by Jason Aaron. Well, just is by, I don't, Jason Aaron, David Marquez, Ed McGinnis. So written by Jason Aaron, Art, David Marquez, and Ed McGinnis. Guest artist by Fraser Irving, Adam Kubert, Andre Sorrentino. Colored by Justin Ponzor, Eric Arcianega, Fraser Irving, Matthew Wilson, Giada Marchisio. Letters, Corey Pettit. So a lot of stuff happening in this book. Yep. A lot of kind of world politics stuff happening. With multiple factions of heroes and villains, Namor and Russian guys and the Avengers who are ostensibly independent but have a leader who is T'Challa, who that is that is becoming a sticking point. And then America has now the Squadron Supreme, which, guys, I know the Squadron Supreme are ripoffs. Maybe have um, your Wonder Woman knockoff not dress exactly like Wonder Woman. Um uh, it takes time and energy to think and reinvent people. I mean, I kind of, I think the main story is fun and interesting. Yeah. I'm really all about this Fraser Irving story with Odin talking to Robbie Rodriguez. Rider. Yeah, that's. I mean, I, I, I mean, when I got to that in this book, I'm like, this is, this is why you picked this book up. It's. I don't know. I I am an un, un, unashamed, unabashed Fraser Irving fan. He, his style is painterly, weird painting thing. I don't know what is like it, the way he paints characters in general is weird. And mm-hmm. having him like draw Odin and these giant page about their the the pre pre Earth whatever Avengers. Yeah, I, I'm all for that. Um. Not so much with Wolverine as a phoenix and all that stuff with Loki. I don't oh, know God, about that. Oh, a fucking phoenix? I believe is so. Is that what that was? That is, what, that is what that is. 
Ew. Ew. Oh, God. Oh, that's gross. I did not realize that. I mean, it was gross enough. Ugh. I, I don't like I don't want that. That was a lo- that was the low point and and that just like it's subterranean now. That's terrible. Yeah, they had to make Wolverine Poochie. That was absolutely required. Uh, he's going to go back to his home planet. He doesn't have a home planet anymore. He's the Phoenix. Mm. He's from everywhere. He's going to go back to Snicket Bub. That's his home planet. Snicket Bub. Mhm. Main the main story of this is fun. Yeah. I wish it wasn't drawn by a million different people, but there is a talking bear. <laughs> um so like it kind of evens out. It really is. It's stupid and fun, but this would be I don't know. This could be better. I'm yeah, if it was all David Marquez, I think I would upgrade it to like a must buy. Because yeah. David Marquette is Marquez is just like the he was the only redeeming factor in Civil War Two, um, and his pages in this are all beautiful. Mm-hmm. Ed McGinnis, there's nothing wrong with Ed McGinnis, but I I just prefer Marquez by and a lot. And then the Fraser Irving stuff is also really good. Um, I, I'm interested in like this in the story about how all these different like different teams and how they are. Like we're seeing like inner global conflicts. It's a different kind of Avengers story than we've gotten recently. Um, and I I'm I know that it's leading up to, you know, War of the Realms stuff too. You know, tying into the 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 Thor epic. Jason Aaron's mm-hmm. Thor epic, basically. Um, I don't know. I'm a buy. Like it's it's if this is I think this is what I want from an Avengers book, basically. You know, like it I want big and stupid. Mm-hmm. And like you said, this is this the, is one hundred percent that. Yeah, and the, there's a talking bear in it. Also, a talking gorilla. There is also a talking gorilla. Talking fish. The fish don't talk. The fish talk. Piranhas don't talk. Yeah, but like, is there's name... plenty of there's plenty of fish people in this. Are you that calling... one's a crab. That one's a shark. One's an orca. Orca's not a fish. Uh, it doesn't matter. What do you mean it doesn't matter? Orcas are mammals. I pro- I proved my point already. <laughs> I'm a buy. Yeah, why not? <laughs> just 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 kind of just kind of switch your brain off. So that's a double buy. Avengers number ten or seven hundred doesn't matter. Uh, next <laughs> next book is Green. <laughs> just buy whichever one you see. Yeah, whichever. Next next up is Green Lantern number one, written by Grant Morrison, art Liam Sharp. With colors by Steve Olaf, letters Tom Orzakowski. I, I don't, I don't like Grant Morrison anymore. <laughs> you don't like Grant Morrison anymore? Why? No, I just, just like, I don't know. He's just he's slowly turning into Garth Ennis without teeth. It's weird. It's fucking weird, man. I like this weird fucking art, and just like. I don't know. I'm so, I'm so soft on this. Like I just, I, it's so, it's so blah. Like I, the, I don't get it. <laughs> you don't get it. You don't. You don't get what? I, I just. You don't want to get. You don't get what Grant Morrison is going for. Kind of, yeah. And it just kind of makes me angry. 
I'm just like, what is, what are you, what is this? What are you fucking doing? I don't even know, man. It's just every bit of it. It feels so disjointed. I feel like this is Grant Morrison describing his dreams to me. Like that's, that's how this feels. Like it just goes from scene to scene and they feel so fucking disconnected. And like, I swear to God, <laughs> it, it is very indulgent, very self-indulgent. It feels like that is, I, I think if I can narrow it down to one thing, I think it feels like it is Grant Morrison doing exactly the Green Lantern he wants which is like you said him describing his own dreams. Yeah. And then he's not giving a shit about anything else. Not giving yeah. a shit about the readers, not giving a shit about DC's universe or like I don't know. I thought that this was like them going, "Here Grant Morrison, do what you want with Green Lantern. Don't worry about continuity." And we will we will adjust accordingly. I I thought but this I don't know when this is. I don't know. I don't know. Like, when does this pl take place? Is this supposed to be now? Because it feels like it t takes place in the New Frontier, like Darwin Cook, it, mm -hmm. like era. And I, I, how in this is not likable. The little character he does show, I don't like him. Um, I'm gonna say there's there's not a lot of character. No, he he it is a very. It, he is. I think Grant feels like Grant Morrison's writing him like John Wayne, mm -hmm. and I don't want to. Yeah, he, he very, he very much is that sort of man archetype, and not really a person. I think that's kind of why it it feels like he's fifties guy. Yeah, and I don't. If that's all it is, mixed with Grant, whatever you know, like science article that Grant Morrison read last week, <laughs> and decided I'm going to make that in my comic book. Yeah, it's it literally has looked like Grant Morrison just went to like the the science news website and read some space news. We saw we saw this thing in a satellite. What could it be? And Grant Morrison, it's an alien, and it grows, but its legs can't support it. Look, I know science. You can't make things too big; their legs will break. We gotta put that in. Why does Hal Jordan know about that? He's a fa he's a test pilot. What does he know about thigh bones? Uh, okay i it looks beautiful i like I, 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 really, I like i like the weird look of this book quite a lot yes i think the art is great absolutely uh, uh, unfortunately the writing is peak in self-indulgent grant morrison and i feel like that's all he is now mm -hmm. i feel like no absolutely all he is now I feel like he has gotten to the point where he's like, I'm bored writing good comics, so I'm only going to write comics that are stupid because that's what I want. So it's just something about comic creators in, in the twilight of their their careers. You know, he can fart on a napkin and someone will publish it and tell him what a fucking genius he is. And people will buy it and not read it because it's got his goddamn name on it. I, I'm going I'm to I'm do not buy I don't. Oh I, God! I, I, I think yeah. I, I am. Oh, I like the art, but I can't. Hard pass. I can't grant Morrison. I can't. You can't grant him what? Any more leeway. Good. Perfect. The, I yeah. Double do not buy Green Lantern number one. Next up is Bitter Root number one. Let me get back to the credits page. There it is. 
uh, created by David F. Walker, Chuck Brown, Sanford Green, colors by Rico Renzi and Sanford Green, letters and production Clayton Cows. I kind of don't care about what this story is, but I really like the character designs and the art and the setting of it. Mm -hmm. And I think I enjoy it on those levels only. And I would I would continue to read this mostly just for that. And I mean, the fact that I I mean, I, I think I'm a Sanford Green fan uh, to the bone now. Um, you stand Sanford Green. I hate that word. <laughs> I know you do. Why Why are you trolling me then? Because it's fun. You're a dick. <laughs> I, no, I, I, one, I, yeah, this is uh, basically like uh, BRPD in Harlem in the 20s. Yeah. Um, I'm all, I am 100% on board with this book. I'm, mm -hmm. I, I am like, it is a, horror adventure book with like great art great character design um i i like the writing i think it is exactly what it needs to be um there's there's nothing wrong with the writing i just think that mm, for me it's just a little messy it's hard for me to get clear through lines on on anything but i i don't really have a problem with it i think like you know, over larger stories, it'll read perfectly fine. I just feel like this one introduces and tries to do too many things, and it's just it's just too much in in one issue. I am, but there's there's nothing there, that is a, a a relatively small complaint weighed against the the the. There's a lot of goodness in this. I'm very curious about where this book goes but it is a, yeah. it is it is a a thing that you they're they're seeing a lot of we are seeing a lot of nowadays it is you know popular pulp and the the article that is after this is actually very good the afterward has a little, little article written about afrofuturism and uh what that actually is like what does that mean what do you when you call something that what does that mean and uh typical like how you know construction of genres in fiction like what is what do we mean when we say certain things and this is part of a wave of recontextualizing pulp genres that were mostly you know that are popularized and famous for all the white people and all the white men that made art in it you know the lovecrafts of the world the 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 people who wrote pulp <laughs> most of the people who wrote the, this kind of pulp stuff in the 50s and 40s and 60s you don't remember their names but there was never you know race was never a, like a, a driving factor of it and now now a lot of there's a lot more people of color making art like this and recontextualizing the tropes and the 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 things we expect from the art and making it fresh and novel and giving it a little bit more nuance and depth in the like the themes because they've always been there. The themes of alienation and fear about the outsider and the other, and now you're coming at from the different direction because the main characters are all black guys and black and black women, and they're the they're that the story is fresh and new and even important in the fact that it doesn't have to be let's quote unquote deep to be valuable 
like there is still there's value in the story because all the characters are black and is telling a story of them fighting monsters in 1920s Harlem and it is a cor- kind of a pulp adventure story it is not you know a, a d- deep and uh, mm-hmm. ex- exploration of what race means it's just the, like it can be light and simple like pulpy horror and still say something meaningful um i'm a buy like it's it is a layup this is like whoop yep I'll yeah. buy it, buy this forever. Yep. It's 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 pretty much a mistake to pass on this one. Yeah. Double buy on Better Root number one. Our last book is William Gibson's Alien Three number one. A weird thing. Story by William Gibson, adaptation script and art by Johnny Christmas, colors by Tamara Bonvillain, letters Nate Picos. Picos, actually. Um so have, have you seen Alien Three, Eric? The original actual I think maybe once. I think I owned the trilogy, and it was always the one that you don't watch, kind of. Yeah. The, a, the good ones are one and two. Yeah. Alien 3 is, the original is very bad. Um, the The director's cut makes it watchable, hmm. um, because it's David Fincher making it, making the best version he can with what, like that is the thing people don't think i don't i don't i think it's more well known now but that is david fincher's first movie alien 3 he directed music music videos and then they made him they hired him for alien 3 and he quit about three quarters of the way through because fox wouldn't leave him alone and wouldn't let him make the movie he wanted and and it was a different thing than he thought he was doing and that movie is a disaster its original form um and it is one of the worst examples of studios interfering in a movie and making it terrible this is a this is william gibson's alien 3 it is a it is a un, like a weird alternate sequel to two great movies alien and aliens are both great um and this is like a weird sequel to it and it makes it immediately different in a lot of ways i'm very curious is really I, I think this book is good if you like if you hey it's right on the tin it says it like it makes very clear what it is but mm-hmm. I think it's good but I'm more just curious like what are they gonna do with this like they if it, it's it's strange it's like weird fan fiction yeah um but I don't know they you know what do, you know what doesn't happen in this comic book. Uh, I'm not sure what you are fishing for me to do. It's, so I'm going to just say no. Okay. What doesn't happen in this comic book is they kill three, three fourths of the characters that existed in aliens that it survived, yeah. which is what the movie starts off happening with Ripley surviving, but, um, every other character all, being dead. All. Yes. Yeah. That, that it doesn't do that. So I going to say bye. I like it. Honestly, I love Alien and Aliens, two of my favorite movies. And with that air that is out there, I obviously want to read like a good, I want a good sequel. If they're going to make a third version of it, another version of of the third sequel, maybe uh, it can't be worse than that movie. So I, there's interesting things happening here. They're, they're going back to that well of weird space politics and ownership of like biology and you know the weird stuff that have been inceded in all both those first two movies um i think the art is 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 good um it's kind of 
simple for what it is. I and I kind of appreciate that. It's I, I don't know. I'm a buy. You've 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 done a lot of selling this book to me. Honestly, I um, I think um, Prometheus has like kind of made me forget everything that I loved <laughs> about uh, the first Alien movie in particular. And it's been a long time since I've watched Alien, so I feel like so much of this was lost on me. Um, I don't know. I mean, I, 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 I'm not too far off from you in that that I do want more stories in the Alien world, which I think is very, very interesting for all the things that you said, like you know the 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 politics and how like just sort of grim it is that they keep creating fucking horrible holocausts because they're trying to weaponize these fucking terrifying animals. I find this book a lot more interesting now that I've talked to you about it, just reading it through. Like I was doing a lot of guessing in terms of what this is. And I picked up that it seemed like the characters had survived where I remembered them dying in, in Alien 3. Mm-hmm. But, um... I think it wisely doesn't spend a lot of time on any of them. On Ripley, mm-hmm. on uh, Newt, and... What is the Marine's yeah. name? I always forget. He the, barely the, has a shot at the end. Like, I was like, okay, I guess that's that guy. Yeah, it's the Marine. Um, yeah. Can't, the only Marine that survives. Um, but it doesn't spend time on them because if you are buying this comic, ostensibly you've seen alien and aliens, especially, and you know who they are and their presence is enough to tell you, Oh, they're here. They're going to be characters in it. Um, we don't need to, they, it spends time introducing the new characters or at least the factions that you, you know, we have, you have yeah. the, the, these two factions who are like, Oh, the ship was in our territory. Why did you reroute the ship through this territory? Like it's kind of dry, but I, frankly, I kind of like that, you know, there's, there is some action in it, but it is not just that it is like, I, I find the thing that is, it's a weird thing about alien. And I think even bigger in aliens is the bureaucracy. Mm-hmm. It's just a bunch of companies like coldly, like saying, no, why did you, re- why did you route that ship? Now they're going to grab the, that bio. Like they use these words that are so cold and like to describe people and animals that they're going to be using as bioweapons they're just like why did you let the product fall go through the the enemy's territory you know they boarded the ship now and now we're not going to get our things now we have to go get it back and they're just like talking these very cold bureaucratic terms and you're like oh right they're talking about that ship and those five people that we care about and like it's it's i don't know it sets that that tone of this the atmosphere of this alien story and storyline and frankly, I, you know, Ripley was a really good character. And Ripley is one of the best female characters in even to this day of all science fiction. That and, fucking first movie is seminal and amazing. And they, what they done to that character through three and four are I don't. I I've can't. I've still never seen all of four, but I I more or less just pretend that it doesn't happen four is a very it's a very gorgeous looking movie it looks very nice uh it's interesting it's not good though yeah um much like prometheus looks very nice is interesting Mm -hmm. not good um i'm a buy are you a buy eric 
I was kind of not one, and I think you've talked me into it, honestly. I'm considerably more interested in this now. Having heard your opinion, I think you've honestly completely changed my mind on it. And I'm I'm actually excited about this book now. So are you just to buy it? Yeah, mm. honestly. Mm. Yeah, I'm, mm. I'm surprised. I'm as surprised as you are. I didn't think you could influence me at all. It's my silver tongue. <laughs> it's a double buy William, William Gibson's Alien 3 number one um, that'll do it for floppies this week there'll be more next time we promise we can move on to our next segment it's time for checking in checking in is part show Eric and I talk about what we've been up to the past couple weeks um, anything we've seen or played or read whatever you know experiences or if we just want to talk about some news that's also uh, uh, applicable um, I I should say we should start off saying rest in peace, Stanley. Mm-hmm. Finally passed after a long, long life. Ninety five years. It's, it's a good chunk of time. Yeah, that's an old fella. But I, a lot of, a lot of uh, you know memorials and a lot of fallout from different people and uh, saying. I will, I will say I got very tired really quickly of seeing. Um, uh, your 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 bad drawings of Stan Lee di- like disintegrating like in the Avengers. Oh, I that been... was that was not that was not clever even the first time. I only I think I saw that one time. I saw it probably eight times the day he died. Was it on Twitter? Uh, various places. Places. Ah. Yeah, it was it it was a lot. Mm-hmm. And it didn't need to be. No, um, we did not need that. No, I do. I, um. It was. I'm glad it was mostly positive. Um, There's certainly probably end up talking a little bit about Stanley in when we're talking about Mr. Miracle, but um, there, you know, he was not a, a perfect man, but he did have a heavy hand in creating a the Marvel universe. And mm-hmm. uh, Eric, you your text reminded me if you anyone out there who has not read the Marvel the Untold Story, um, you should do that. It talks a lot about how that how everything was built and about Stan Lee's life and his impact on the Marvel universe, plus everything else Marvel related. But you know, it talks about the entirety of Marvel, but Stan Lee was there for a long time and had a lot to do with their, their early success. The reason that they ever were successful and are still a company is largely because of Stan Lee. And a lot of people bring up the fact, you know, they, they bring up his, uh, the way you know he how he has claimed co-creator c- credit with you know Dicko and Jack Kirby and people go oh he didn't do anything you know Marvel method you know Kirby and Dicko did all the work and he just filled in dialogue bubbles etc cetera, etc cetera. but it's more complicated than that I'm not saying yeah. they're not necessarily wrong like he I would give the lion's share of the creator that that work too especially Kirby. I think he had more to do with Spider-Man necessarily than he had with a lot of the Kirby characters he co-created. But it's more complicated than that. It's not necessarily like he was literally writing like 10 comic books a month, you know, writing, quote unquote, and also was the editor and publisher. Like he didn't have time (laughs) to do anything. That's why he did that. Like he needed comic books. He needed to sell comic books to keep that company alive at the time. And that's that personality he has of, you know, the... The, the the outgoing salesman is 
part of the reason that Marvel was distinguished and like why they became a competitor because he he you know stands soapbox and him talking in the new in the you know letters to the editor page every single comic book it was as as much a draw as anything and it helped sell comics and helped put them on the map versus DC which had existed for 30 years prior so there's a lot of detail about his life and Marvel in that book and it's a great book you should definitely read it um I just want to get that out there before we get anything else. I say well said. Um Eric, what's going on? Uh podcasts. How about oh. that? Oh. Do you know what had a new season that I don't really need to plug, but uh, I would recommend you listen to it, Sid. But I was really surprised by your uh your reaction to S Town, but you know, this is uh the new serial uh came out. And it's about uh, corruption in police departments and in the court system. Mm -hmm. And it's quite jarring because they said they tried to go to Middletown America. So they went to Cleveland, not even looking for things. And they just looked at fairly ordinary cases. And their take on things is really very, very interesting. And it does not um it does it does not paint it very positively we're supposed to have such a great like such a great uh judicial system such a great like criminal punishment you know we're supposed to have such a great system for this and it seems very kind of gross and corrupt need of a lot of reform and very 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 racist mm -hmm. so it's i mean stuff that you know, you probably know, you know, intellectually, but the hearing the stories are really shocking, really just just jarring to hear. Um, so they just recently published the final episode of the new season just a couple of days ago. Um, if you're a podcast person, I, it, to me, it was like really kind of under my radar, you know, that I had for a long time ago set serial to download all episodes and i just happened to look at it and see that i had like six or seven episodes that were already downloaded and just started listening to them and you know they, they still make very good content um it's it's very different from the other things and i think i prefer it uh, because it's not like a weird mystery you know Mm -hmm. it's it, just it's, a it, it's it, investigative journalism basically yeah i mean the first two seasons were very compelling but it feels like looking at the like it, it the first season in particular like it feels cheap to look at a cold case like that you know like there are a lot of crime podcasts and cold case podcasts and they're they're very compelling and i don't really like those details like this was it was interesting in how mundane it was and like how much just matter of fact corruption it it like just reveals like there's a an episode where there's a prosecutor and he's working you know lockstep with a a, a lot of different detectives and police officers and she talks about like looking at this and how closely they have to work together. Is it really any surprise that 
you know, are you really going to see police get prosecuted? I mean, of course not. Like, uh, if a prosecutor has to prosecute an officer, basically he's never going to he's never going to have cooperation again. And it's things like that, that they point out that are just really quite interesting. So it's it says a lot, you know, about uh, the justice system in America. The other podcast, I think, is a little more um, obscure, but it's um, one of my favorite people um, on on the Internet. Um, you may not know of him. His name is Jason Scott. He is a person who created uh, textfiles.com, and I think I – are you familiar with him at all, first nope. off? Nope. So I think it was probably from some of his speeches that I became familiar with Jason Scott. Um, he's had a, 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 a weird and long career in technology. Um, he's a, he's 50 something, I think, or maybe late forties and he's, you know, been a system administrator and various things. And, but like as a hobby, he was very interested in computer history. So he created a, a documentary by himself about, um, BBS systems and kind of like the 70s 80s era of uh of of technology and he was taking it upon himself to archive um various text documents you know you can look at them now on textfiles.com and this podcast that he does is called jason scott talks his way out of it and Essentially, what happened to him a couple of years is, you know, he ended up uh, taking a job at the Internet Archive. Uh, I think that's kind of when his luck started to turn around, but he was in various amounts of debt, didn't have enough health insurance, had like a heart attack, a lot of medical bills, owed lots of money to the IRS. But, you know, he's kind of like an underground hero to a lot of people, you know, for his archiving work for his documentary and, um, you know, for his work with, uh, the, the internet archive, archive.org. Um, so he's, this podcast, he's set up a Patreon for it and he's been able to sort of reverse a lot of these things, you know, improve his health. And it's, it's interesting hearing him, you know, he'll, he'll talk about something that interests him, um, or some weird thing that happened in his life. And I just like, I don't know, his point of view is one of my favorites because he will just find the weirdest, most obscure thing in technology. And this is a thing that, you know, it's like fundamental to like hacker culture or early computing. And it is completely invisible to us. We would never know it existed. And he will just talk about it on in depth and and make it so interesting. Like the thing that like he talks about um like there's an episode on phone freakers there's a uh an episode about when he worked for a company called Harvard Net which was an ISP that was essentially a ponzi scheme hmm. um oh gosh what else i mean it, it's there's there's a lot of content i can't really remember all of it it's pretty much all very very interesting and I, I personally find, you know, the history of computers, I find it fascinating. The, the thing that, that sucked me in was him giving a talk about um, 
he talks a lot about like the Apple II era of computing, and he's very much romanticizes this period of of like uh, software uh, uh, crackers, people that would like try and break the uh, the 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 copyright protection on software in this era because it's surprisingly like complicated. And you talk about even going back to an Apple II, and he's giving this talk on these people, and he shows like a uh, uh, like a readme file or something, some or some posts from one of the crackers, and he's talking about he's talking about like you know you there's all this new blood, and it's just so ridiculous, and it's not fun anymore, and and yada yada yada, and this guy is like basically a salty old dog, and it's like 1986. You know, it's like contemporary to the Apple II, and it just really opens your eyes up to like the depth of these cultures that surround all this stuff that we would literally never know about. And that's that's one of the reasons that he's just so interesting that he's been able to research and preserve all this stuff like there's a ridiculous amount of information that he's put. Uh, or he's been responsible for, for putting an archiving on archive.org. Um, like basically all of the in-browser stuff that you've seen in the past couple of years. If you've seen um, the emulators and things that run in browser. Are you familiar with this? Yeah. It, it, it's a lot of stuff that um, I won't say he's the sole um, you know, reason it's up there. But I think it was kind of his brainchild. And he talks about it a lot. And he's, you know, he hasn't just start stopped with like games that everyone knows. He's like, well, I have 10,000 CD-ROMs. I have, I have, you know, a thousand floppies with weird copyright protection because like there are like mechanical head movements that are proprietary to like a like because there's all kinds of weird copyright protection like hardware stuff that's in those apple twos and how they had to like go into such like artistry you know like the people that cracked this stuff are like geniuses and they had to create like a you know they have their own file type which is a was file you know the, to, to to try and emulate this as accurately as possible like all these things that they've come up with and invented you know just sort of based on the weird reality of this platform you know that people are still super passionate even to this day about the apple II. the thing that he describes it is it's people love it because it is one of the last computers if not the last computer that's mainstream like that that it is that was designed by one person it's it's really he's a really a truly interesting person. I really I really do enjoy his podcast. I think some of the information might seem a little dry to some people, but I do find that um, he's a very good storyteller. And the no one else is telling these kind of stories. He's very singular and interesting that way. And it's all history that will be gone if not for people like him just finding like just thousands and thousands of discs and finding ways to, 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 to archive them. It's really very, very interesting. How many episodes are there? 
I'm not sure. There's a there's uh probably about two dozen. Okay. Right now. They're they're uh how, how long are they? They're each? good, they're interesting. I would say about thirty minutes. Okay, that's not bad. Yeah, no. No. That it's it's not um super extensive. You know, he talks about it and tells a good story and then he thanks his patrons and moves on. Like that Harvard Net one was two episodes. It was, you know, set up and then there's the the the, the climax. So Eric. What's up, buddy? I've played some video games. That does sound like a sentence that you've said to me about a thousand about about two hundred and twenty five times. <laughs> I've not always checked out with video games. That's why I said two hundred and twenty five. I mean that would be every other there'd be like one podcast that I haven't checked in with video games basically then. I mean that's that sounds about right, bro. No, there's been like five of them. <laughs> Please be accurate. Um okay, so, so a couple video games came out. Uh Hitman two came out. It is a sequel to Hitman. Unsurprisingly, that's a good, it's a good it's a good name for it. Yeah, exactly. Uh, it is. I loved Hitman. The, the the that first game was great. So much fun. I put a whole bunch of time into it. Played everything over and over and over again. Uh, this is a sequel in every way that a sequel what you expect from video game sequels nowadays. That is iterative. They've improved a lot of the mechanics. They've improved the UI. They've improved the ex- the overall experience, but but ultimately it is more hitman it is just it is more levels it is setting up a little bit more complex scenarios it looks like the first game it plays mostly like the first game it, they've added certain things that change the like the stealth mechanics or you know they've made it more clear when you are trespassing or when someone knows that when your cover has been blown when a disguise is no longer works those things are a little bit more clear, but ultimately the game is very similar, and that is good. I don't; they don't need to change much about that game. The they need to make really cool levels and have really interesting scenarios where when you you're killing people, um, and that is what this game does. It is if you like hit the first Hitman, go get it right now. No reservations. I, the game they are. They are. I was never a big Hitman fan until this last game, and this game. I'm gonna. I hope this game does well enough that they continue making more of it because I just want to play. As long as they continue making new levels with new weird things happening in them, I'm. I'm on board. Um, like for instance, the first level, the first major level in the new game is set in Miami at an indie car race, an F1 race, basically. It's not called that, but that's what it is. Open world racing. Uh, super fast cars and you got to kill two people you got to kill a a a business executive and her and his daughter his daughter is racing in the event and he is there at like a company headquarters trying to sell a product to our military is he's trying to sell battle robots basically and so one of my playthroughs i went and i sabotaged her car so that it exploded in the middle of the race and to kill the guy, I reprogrammed one of the battle robots to shoot him, like in RoboCop, basically. <laughs> <laughs> so he's demonstrating. He's like, "Look at this advanced. All you have to do is just just hit that button, and you hit the button." And I already I scanned his picture, so it's it it represented him as a target, and it opened fire, and I, you get out neat, neat and clean. There's also there's there's so many different challenges, so many things that 
make you want to play these levels in many different ways. They're all basically intricate puzzles that you can kind of break. You can either play by the rules and do them very clean and methodical, or you can break them and just go on a rampage and be a psychopath. And as long as you don't die, you can do anything. Um, as long as you get your targets dead. Um, you can also, for an additional $20, add in all... If you don't have, if you already own Hitman the first game, you get those levels for free included in this package. If you spend an additional $20 on top of Hitman 2, you get all the levels from the first game ported into this with all the same new challenges, all the new mechanics. It is an incredible value for like 80 bucks. You get all these levels. If you haven't played the first game, oh my god. It is incredible for $80 to get all that content. That is so much game, so much good. And it's just, it's really, the like people, I think, I don't know what the image of Hitman is um, for most people who haven't played these new games, but like, I was always under the impression that, oh, it's like kind of grim, serious, somber. Yeah, we have to kill guys. But these new games are like the opposite of that is the silliest, dumbest thing in the world. And the game makes like it presents its story is very serious. Yes, we are. You're representing like these weird giant conspiracy theories and trying to kill people and stuff. But then you get in the game and you're killing people by hitting in the head with a fish. Or like you're <laughs> you literally in that Miami level, you can get a disguise known as Florida Man. And Florida Man has uh, a food stand where he sells America balls. And the military guy, the, the the corporate guy you're trying to kill, loves the America balls. So you can impersonate Florida Man and poison his America balls. And then you, you can kill him with poison. It does not take itself very... You are... It's ridiculous. It's utterly ridiculous. There's another level set in Colombia where you can impersonate a hippie and poison the super cocaine that you're delivering to a drug kingpin. Literally, it's called super cocaine. <laughs> it's... I just... It's it's fun. It's just... It's fun, 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 fun. I love it. Um, also, another game that has gotten a lot of heated... Heated takes... On the internet, uh, Fallout 76 came out. Nerds arguing about a Fallout game. Yeah, I know. That's uh, par for course. It is. Um, everyone is very angry about Fallout 76, it seems. Uh, I don't know how many of those people who are angry have actually played the video game. Um, because here, Eric, I'm going to ask you a, sing a simple question. Mm -hmm. Did you like Fallout 4? Yeah. Then you'll like Fallout 76. Because it is exactly this. It is that game again, basically. It is that it's the same. It's similar mechanics. It has a little bit more survival elements in it. Like you have to drink water once an hour or something. You They give you all the water you could possibly. You're not going to die from starvation in that game. But um, so there's that. But it's looting a lot of stuff. It's shooting a lot of stuff. Uh, the story is like they stripped out the main story. So there's no main quest set per se. Like you're not going to find your son, which is what main, you know Fallout Four is. You're not trying to find your father, which is Fallout Fallout Three is. I'm good with that because those main storylines are bad. <laughs> the good, it's like they just have the side quests. It's like an entire game of just the side quests from Fallout and exploring a world. 
It is much more colorful than the past few Fallout games because it is in West Virginia and it's a lot of wooded areas. It's very pretty. Um, it's online and people are seem to be very anxious about like there'll be other people and they're going to do things. I've encountered, I played like six hours so far. I've encountered other people literally two times. They said nothing to me and we went our separate ways. They are not, we are not, it's, yeah, I can also, you know what? I can play with my wife. We can play this game together. I can play it with you. Even I can play with anyone like that's, Hey, I want to follow a game. I can play with other people. That's fun to me. Um, it's almost impossible for you to get into PVP accidentally, um, for you because people can't just attack you willy nilly anyway. I think it's a really clever system they set up. If someone wants to initiate PVP with you, they will attack you. However, unless you fire back at them, unless you hurt them back, they will do an infinitesimally small amount of damage to you. And that's all they can do. There's nothing else they can do to you. So unless if you don't fire back, eventually they'll just wander away. I mean, that, that and like and if that ever happens, I've yet to encounter someone who wants to fight. Because Fallout is not, I don't, I don't think Fallout is the type of game that wants to get, like, attracts a lot of people who want PvP. So I don't know what, I don't know, you loot stuff, you fight stuff, you build a base. It's like Fallout 4. It is literally like Fallout 4, but it's in West Virginia. There's a lot of audio logs and a lot of emails and old monitors. The perk system is a little different, but I actually like it because it's different. It's an interesting, we weird way they've implemented a thing. Um... It has the same setting. It looks and feels like a Fallout game that I've become I've come to expect from Bethesda. I don't know what people want other than I don't want a Fallout game that's online. Why don't they make it single player? Because this why is do a, they all talk like that? I don't know. That's what I just that's what I hear in my head when I read the texts on like it, people complaining on Twitter or Reddit about Fallout. That's the voice I hear. I don't know if they're everyone that sounds like that or not, but. I think they, they, I think they do. It's a prerequisite. I'm enjoying my time with Fallout 76. If you are a fan, if you liked Fallout 4, some people don't like Fallout 4. That is fine. It doesn't hurt you for this game to exist. Like, your life is fine if there's a game out there that you don't like existing. I don't think that's true. <laughs> I mean, the the more stuff that other people like that I don't like, I mean, the terrorists win. I feel like you're being a little sarcastic, Kirk. What? Maybe. Maybe. Also, I'm NaNoWriMo still happening. Good on you, bro. Still writing. Have you passed your mark yet? I'm at forty-four thousand. That's pretty close. I'm. I hope before uh, before we leave for Thanksgiving, I want to hit hit it, finish, and then finish the novel after Thanksgiving. But I'll do it. I watched all of Shira too, but I'm not ready to talk about it. Okay. Just to ruminate a little I, bit. No, no, no. There's not really a lot I can say about it. I think it has problems, but it is also a show for fucking little girls. So it's my my old man opinion doesn't really matter that much. I don't think I'm going to start writing comics or uh, TV shows for little girls anytime soon. Mm, nah, probably not. You ready to talk about Mr. Miracle? Let's get it on, bro. Let's get it on. We can move on to our final segment. It's time for Nerd Book Club. Nerd Book Club is part of the show where Eric and I assign a longer collective work and discuss it in depth like you would a book club, except it's a comic book. This week we are discussing Mr. Miracle by Tom King and Mitch Gerards. Um, long heralded, been it's been I've been waiting 
for this mm-hmm. book, this book to finish just so I could read it. I did not want to read it from issue to issue as I felt like it would drive me crazy. And I think if I had done it, it would have driven me crazy. Um, this book is something. Yep. I I, I was trying. <laughs> I was trying. Like after I finish it, I had been thinking like, how do we talk about this? Like it is. It feels at times like it's purposely trying to avoid categorization. Mm-hmm. Like it feels like it doesn't want to be what you. Whenever you start thinking you have, you start thinking you know what this book is. It does something that makes you go, "Oh, it's not that anymore," or "Isn't that?" Well, it isn't only that. Maybe I don't know. I I want to say it's. I like it a lot. It's good. Um, yeah. Maybe even great. I'm gonna have to think about it a lot, probably, and read it again at some point to really. I would, I would call. I think it's pretty great. You know, despite the uh, the the relative darkness of it and the weirdness of it. I think the well, the weirdness is, I think, firmly in the good column. I think it's actually a pretty easy read. Um, and one that I could come back to a couple of times. Like it, it, it's got a lot of heavy shit happening, but I still really enjoy it. Yeah. I, I, I go ahead. No, no, you finish your thought. Well, I was going to throw down some fairly far reaching kind of thoughts. Okay. Um, about Tom King and sort of about, sort of the state of where comics are. And I think that this is a pretty good example of kind of maybe where we were in comics not so long ago. Like, I don't feel like this is like doing something from another era, but I feel like things are starting to turn away from this, you know, that it is a a pretty dark story um, at least somewhat dark. It also kind of has that inheritance of Hawkeye of like, well, here's Mr. Miracle brushing his teeth and here they are at a cafe. Here's this, here's this. And this very, the, you, you, it, it makes a point of showing the humanity of him in that same kind of, uh, Hawkeye way. Although I think that you know, the whole idea of they're the new gods, you know, like mm-hmm. it, it could be that Tom King is trying to make a different statement. But to me, it feels like it's still part of that sort of era of comics, um, even though I like the decisions that happen in this book, I'm starting to think that it is gimmicky. And I think we've probably even talked about this before. It's it's gimmicky to just kill characters. It's a thing that really shocked us when, like, in the first season of Game of Thrones, mm-hmm. you know. But do we really think that Dark Side is dead forever? I mean, you know. I mean, that is. I'm. I actually. Eric, this is a thing I don't usually do for our discussions, but I did this time. I have notes. Mm-hmm. I have I took notes because I wanted to make sure that we covered at least these things. Yeah. Um No, Darkseid's not dead. None yeah. of these characters are dead. They're fine. Um So is that is that the is that part of this story? Is it just supposed to be I, I, it's all a dream? 
the well, we we I had this kind of in the last in line with us, but we can jump straight to it. Um, there is that moment where, and, and this is it. They this was asked early on, I think, after the first or second issue. Someone asked Tom King, "Is this in continuity?" And he yeah. said, "He said yes." Um, but it's not. It's not right. in continuity. It doesn't. Darkseid is not dead. Orion's not. None of these characters are dead. Um, they did not kill any of the new gods characters and not i mean and not in continuity at least um in this story they certainly die um maybe that's another question there's a lot of there's a lot of debate in this like the comet is constantly questioning itself is any of this real is any of this yeah all that but there is a moment in the book where scott is given the opportunity to uh after he kills dark side uh metreon takes the throne and presents him with a choice um, to turn a, turn back, or I forget what exactly what he says, but ple- to do and like and it you, he sees a vision of the DC universe basically, you know Superman and Batman and Wonder Woman and, and everyone like in this huge tableau. It's a f- full page, and he doesn't. He doesn't make that. He, he makes the choice to stay with Barda and his child, and to go back to his regular life, and. I don't know. I've read some people saying that is a, a choice for Scott to stay out of continuity, basically, or at least this version of Scott, this version of Mr. Miracle to stay out of continuity. Like this book is it's in in, in, in like as, as a part of the book, it is consci- consciously analyzing what continuity is and what it is not. And if that's impo- if, if it is important and that it's a thing that I like really it was one of the questions that kept me up. I'm like, I'm thinking about it. And it made me the question of like, why would Tom King say that it was in continuity? And my first thought to that, my first answer would be because things in continuity sell better. <laughs> or or maybe not sell better, but also people think that things in continuity are more important. Yeah. Because things in continuity affect the universe. They would affect the DC universe. They affect other characters. Um, the, the, you don't you don't think that it's possible that the rug got pulled out from under him on that? I think it's possible, but I don't think. He... You think it's more accurate that you could have took him at his word, or, or rather that it did not start as continuity, and then they were like, "Nope, not doing it." I, I you think that you think that it's actually that he either misdirected intentionally. I or that there's something else at play here. You think that's more likely? I don't know about likely. I mean, if we're betting on the whims of DC editorial, I don't know what to I can't I don't know what the numbers are. It's not good. They usually they've been relatively stable lately, but there's always more bad things that happen. I feel it's just it's my gut feeling, honestly. It is the book itself doesn't want you to feel like you ever know for sure what's happening i think the book itself is constantly going is this real is what scott is it was what happening this scott is real did he actually maybe he died in issue one he actually succeeded when he committed suicide no one saved him and this is heaven or this is hell or whatever who knows what it is but i don't think the book answers that question one and I don't think Tom King wants us to – he wants us not to feel like we're on stable ground. So when he says, yes, it's in continuity, I don't 
his what he how he's answering that question he might go well i either he's like yeah i know i'm lying i don't care i just want i i want this story to deliver the message i want so i will say mm-hmm. whatever i will say whatever it takes for people to like understand the book on the the terms i want them to because this is not batman this is 12 issues of mr miracle there is no, like even says the final page there will be no sequel this is it goodbye forever uh the next we'll be making a new thing it will also probably be a limited they, he's already come out and say him and mitch are going to be doing another one of this another 12 series another 12 issue series um they can't they haven't said what it is yet uh i imagine it will be another interesting great thing i don't know what it will be um but i my inclination is to say he said that it was in continuity because he wants people to think that it was in continuity so mm-hmm. that so that it makes them care more. I don't like I don't think so this is this is this is like how Fargo lies to you and tells you that it's that that it's a true story. Yeah, I think so. It is. I like that's I mean, that's I put Tom King in that same same place as the Coen brothers. I, I could. I um yeah, they're all tours. They, they in their own way, like the Coen brothers sometimes make very popular like movies that are not are successful because they reach a lot they naturally are can reach a lot of people um they also make really strange movies that are naturally not going to be very popular and not many people are going to like them and they don't care they make it anyway and i feel like this is more similar to that where i don't feel like tom king is going like oh i need to write a batman story it needs to make sense in the context of all the other batman stories i think he's going like i just want to make who I have this Mr. Miracle. What is he? What kind of story do I want to tell? I I don't he I think he put he says that's in continuity because he wants people to feel like death the deaths matter. And I think in this book the deaths do matter. I think every death is making a statement. In continuity or not, I don't whatever. I, I don't think I, I don't think that I don't I don't read this book as a normal a normal superhero comic book. Uh, and I think it's stronger because it's out of continuity than it is than it would be. Because if it was in continuity, they would never kill Darkseid. Mm-hmm. You know, they would never. None of these things would have happened. It wouldn't be as violent as as it is. I think it wouldn't be as sexual as it is. It would. It needs to be all those things. It needs to be what it is to succeed. Mm-hmm. I think. I mean, I definitely i I enjoy it for all those things, but I'm looking at this and I'm looking at Heroes in Crisis. And how that book basically just starts off with a body count. And the real shock moments of this are when the characters die. And it's kind of got me looking at Tom King and thinking, like, is that just going to be his gimmick? Is he's the guy that he's going to... He's going to be the guy that kills characters to, to shock me. Like is that is that what is the the impact of this? I mean, I I think there's I think there's more that's good here, but I feel like this this is the kind of thing that works here. Yeah, you know, and we saw it in Vision. Mm-hmm. And I mean, it's his own characters, and it's different when it's the Sheriff of Babylon, and it, it it's different when it's a whole cloth. His characters. That's just the way that story is. I mean, but. Is it? I don't know. Is it really that different? Uh, when you look at the, uh, I like to think of here's Tom King. He's a, a a very powerful and layered and thoughtful 
writer versus here's Tom King. He's the guy that fucking kills superheroes. And it, it, I'm starting to just have a little pause about it. I mean, you know, I'm, I'm starting to be a little worried. I mean, I don't, he can kill as many characters as you want, as long as it's thoughtful every time, as long as there is intent. I, I, there's only so many that there can be I mean, at, a, at a certain point it becomes kind of hacky. I mean, at a certain point, it's like how everyone's like, well, Jeff Loeb just puts all these characters in the comic. And they're like, oh, yeah, well, that 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 kind of pulls the curtain behind on that. I mean, one character dies in Vision. Or two, maybe? Two characters, I think. The son and the wife. I, yeah, the, the son and the wife and the so dog. The dog does not die. The dog is still alive. Dog lives? Dog is, re- I mean, the dog dies and then is brought back. I don't know if that counts. I thought it was a different dog, wasn't it? I mean, how, if I have a, a swing set and I replace... We don't. You don't need to. You don't need to ship a Theseus that's fucking dog <laughs> in the vision, bro. I'm a swing set. That's I'm. Hey, man, I'm just trying to give a layman's version of things. All right, not everyone knows about Theseus. Shit. Sw- everyone knows about swing sets. Okay. All right, I'm trying to be simple. Right. Simple as some levels of things. I don't need to always give people the most complex version of a story. Um, I don't think of Tom King. The first thing I think of Tom King is not, oh, he kills superheroes. Heroes in Crisis is him doing Identity Crisis, very clearly. Mm-hmm. That is, and I feel like that's a lot of the time when he's writing a comic book, he's like, I'm doing, like, especially, I don't know. I kind of split away that that is an event comic. His And Batman might as well be an event comic. Like, that is what that book is nowadays. It comes out twice a month for and has, has done it for the past three years now four years how old is it god he's been writing batman for three years he's been doing it he's been doing it for a minute now yeah. for sure um i don't put them in the same category as sheriff of babylon or the vision or this or even his uh the the white lantern book um omega whatever it was I, the one we didn't like as much um I put these in a separate category because they're not in con- any kind of continuity. Like the vision vaguely is, but it might as well not been. It didn't like, I don't, no one has actually written the vision any differently after that book. And they should, mm-hmm. but he, they haven't. The, at, at best, you just get a book with Viv in it. Yeah. She's now a character, but now she's just a normal superhero character. She's not that character. And the, no one has written any, the vision or Viv as real, like the versions of them that they were in that book, or even it feels like they've been affected much. Um, though, because the, both those characters are traumatized afterwards and neither. If you read champions, Viv is just like a weird robot girl. She's quirky. Cause she's a robot. And you're like, okay, the vision is still just, the generic vision it seems in most other books um after that book which is i don't know both good and bad because at least i know oh that book is there and then it's its own little capsule um i don't i this book is about death and that's why i ultimately cut it like i don't care like i Mm -hmm. here's here's in crisis i'm we'll see we'll see what that book ends up being like it seems like Right. This is not a criticism of this book. I think what it is is good. Right. I think what the vision is is good. I think what the Sheriff of Babylon is is good. Mm-hmm. I'm just saying, like, what's this going to look like when it's the seventh or eighth thing or the tenth thing or the fifteenth thing that 
Tom King has done, and they're all a little samey. You know, where's, I mean, how is Tom King going to write that compelling story that's not just about grisly murder of comic book characters? I mean, I'll think I'll cross that bridge when we come to it. I, mean, I just, I, I think that it's it's worth looking at. Um, I mean, he's not, I don't think, he, I mean, he obviously loves nine panel grid. Mm-hmm. Does it over he's and over? Fucking crazy about it. Does it he over and over? Does it over and over and over again? And I feel like that's where he's at. Where he's doing like you look at a lot of famous canon artists. They work. They find a motif and they do everything they possibly can with it. They wring it to dry and then they keep doing it sometimes. And then eventually they go, I don't want to do this anymore, and they find something new to do. They change their, they change everything. They write differently. They do whatever. And I'm, I kind of look at it like, remember that, uh, what artist was it that you compared to Steve Vai or whatever? Uh, was it, it was, um, or was it Ingve Malmstein? I don't even know. Yeah. Remember. Like it was a, a guitar, a classical guitarist, kind of like a wanky Sean Murphy, wasn't it? It was Sean Murphy. Sean Gordon Murphy. Yeah. Yeah. Who talks about like how, comics are a math problem to him and that upset some people some for some reason mm-hmm. and i don't know i i as i've been i like i been working in nanoramo and i'm writing a book and a lot of people die in it and a lot of people have died in everything i've written um and after a while you're i don't I don't know if he has that idea of himself as like, oh, I'm a dude that kills ki- heroes. I think because we're removed, we're reading this stuff. He's in the trenches. He's not thinking about it. You're, you're like, mm-hmm. I, at a certain point, it's like it's ones and zeros. You're just like, what do I do with this character at this point? Uh, what makes sense in this story? What is what works in the o- overall arc of this story? What happens to Scott, et cetera, et cetera? And you're just thinking, well, he kills this character or this character dies in a grisly way. And it adds this to this, you know, it makes the care, it makes people theoretically feel like this, um, that may end up, I, I'm, I consider myself fairly sensitive to unnecessary murders. Um, I don't think Heath is thinking about it. I think this book in particular is a so heavy that the deaths are just like, oh yeah, that it makes you feel like Scott feels, I think. It's, I don't I don't have any particular reverence for the fourth world characters or new gods or anything mm-hmm. like I think they're neat. Um, I think Jack Kirby yeah. was was a madman. At he that was a, a whacked out dude. Yes, yeah, that's exactly exactly my feeling about him is that they're they're strange and interesting. And that's about that's about it. But, you know, I, I, I didn't necessarily I know I know it's a big deal that dark side he kills dark side, but I feel like. This book is so. It, the thing that stands out to me is not the death. It, it is. It is certainly grisly at times and very violent, but it is not the overarching thing that like is not the thing that I go. Oh man, there's a lot of death in it. It is more. It feels more about. It just feels anxious. That's how I feel about this book. It feels like this book is a. It just is about being anxious about about having about not knowing what's real about how like how do i accept reality i don't know and death's a part of it for sure but i don't know that i think this book like it's one of those books where 
any one person's interpretation of it says as much about them as it does about the book. And I think that's like this book feels like modern living to me in a world where the president is at a, in a PR war with a Navy SEAL that helped kill a terrorist. Mm-hmm. Where in a world where we are like just finished an election and there's multiple states with incredible voter suppression issues and no one is doing anything about it. Where, you know, world where half of California is on fire, you know, and Twitter and Facebook seem to be more concerned about memes and like, you know, you're living in this world where you're trying to live and you're just trying to make a good life and everything like when you if you turn around, there's a fire behind you and it's just always there. It's like that. The you know, it is. That's Scott's. It feels like that's what Scott's life is. It feels like Scott mm-hmm. is like, yeah, he has a wife and he's has a job as a stunt as a, like this escape artist. And they are having a kid and all this is happening. And like, that's the Hawkeye part of the book. Like it's them in this normal life in LA, ostensibly normal life, getting trapped in traffic on his last day alive, even <laughs> for 76 minutes or whatever number it was. Yeah. God, LA traffic. That's, I mean, that's real. That's really what it's like out there. Miserable. Um, but there's that. And then there's the other half, which is just war and death and fighting and the way the war is presented in this is almost like an afterthought like there's very few times in this book where you're actually concerned about scott's life despite the fact that he's fighting for half of it Mm-hmm. he does seem to treat it very blase all the threats like he's like whatever i'm i can do it it's fine i'm he acts like he's basically invincible even when he gets the shit kicked out of him. And like there's that scene where they're breaking into, I guess, Darkseid's fortress or whatever. And they're just like killing all these guards. They're destroying him and Barda are just destroying all these this monster after monster getting through this like impossible void. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I love they're, the, the they're, void. Yeah. They use like the intestines of like some awful giant thing to. <laughs> get across this impossible void as a as a line and he's just basically dancing on top of it like it's nothing mm-hmm. and it's so easy and they're talking the entire time about moving the the rebuilding their condo rebuilding the condo yeah to put a baby room in there and they're like well what about no i want the what about the the living room i don't want half a living room i want a full living room She's like, you can still fit everything in the new living room. It won't change anything. It's like, yes, it will. It will be half a living room. And it's it, and yet at the same time, they're about they're like waging war on the most dangerous thing on in the universe. And they are like, it's just it it just keep reinforcing this idea of like they have to keep living their life while all this hell is happening. Like this, this juxtaposition of them both being raised in a pit of torture, and now they live this like American dream life. But the pit of torture is still there. The fight with Darkseid is still there, and it will always be there. As soon as Darkseid dies, the whatever the big meathead monster guy is the new king, the new leader of Apocalypse, and there's still a war. Nothing has changed. They kill Darkseid. Nothing changes. There's still just this din 
this fire hell is still happening just outside of reach and it won't go away no matter what you do and you just have to focus on your life but that's what i see in it Mm -hmm. and every i don't think that's gonna be the i don't that's not the thing everyone takes away from that's i think there's i've seen takes about this is like living with mental illness that is what this book is about and then there's also Uh, the the take about this is living with con this is like comic continuity this book is about comic continuity and other and there's a dozen others I think those are those are tough sells to me. That's that's I don't see those. I mean, I see them. I don't think I again. That's not the first thing I think of, but I mean, I can see them. The the, the con, Scott's that that true or false moment, the true or false test with mm-hmm. with Orion. That's the that's the one that 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 scene sells me as like, oh, maybe it is about it could be about mental illness. Like I understand that interpretation where Scott is saying true or false these questions from orion and orion's pushing him and pushing him and pushing him and he's basically like scott's admitting oh yeah i'm basically like just by these true or false questions scott's like yeah i am the anti-life equation i am the thing that makes that enables dark side to kill anything or kill the world if he wants that's i am it and like that he's admitting that with just these true or false questions like that doesn't make any sense and that the the kind of impossible like the way you have to see see the way mental illness can affect how you see the world and how you feel and make things that seem impossible actually possible because of the way the brain your brain is working i don't know it's not i don't think i think all of them are relatively valid at least the ones i've read i haven't read anything that's extraordinary like of course there's probably dozens also the ones that are like that's you're reaching you're stretching um usually what interpretation of art is yeah it is um i don't know it is it's heavy it is it feels like tom king working through something everything tom king does that i think is is good is about him working through something yeah it feels i mean like this is another it feels like every all these books are about war and trauma Mm -hmm. and survive and like that's the other like that's the other thing that sticks with me about this book is Scott is presented with exactly what he wants and he can't accept it. Like he has a wife that he loves and he repeatedly calls beautiful and perfect over and over and over again. He has a child, a baby that he loves and soon to be two children that he loves. Um, he has a job that makes him a good living. They, they seem to be, they seem to have enough money. He has killed dark side. He is, he is, you know, theoretically, conquered the 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 worst monster there is he has what he wants and yet the last book is about him questioning all that and every like specters from all the people that have died in this book coming back to him and saying no this isn't real this isn't real and every time scott pushes him away punches punches out his own father the the ghost of his father and just says no this is real and it feels at times like it's about finally reaching that thing that you want, and then your own mind saying, "This can't be real. You, you were not supposed to get here. You wanted it, but you're never supposed to get it. And now that you have it, what are you going to do?" That's why I couldn't sleep last night. How'd you like Stanley in this book, Eric? He's fine. Never seen him with a beard. Funky, funky Flash Man. It is weird that. Jack Kirby essentially invented that character to troll Stanley. Mm-hmm. 
that is a that is a weird thing. Yeah, it is. I mean, it's a strange it's a strange thing, but I like I don't know. It felt it felt kind of appropriate having them having that character in in here as a babysitter and having Uberon be in here which is basically Jack Kirby um be that, you know, the cigar munching character that Scott is mourning. Mm. It's basically that's his Kurtzman is the last name in in here, and he has that is Jack Kirby's real last name, original last name was Kurtzman. So very clear, it's Jack Kirby having both of those characters be these weird parental figures in this book. It's still like it just is. It's like just layer after layer of I don't know curiosity. Like I don't know what's mm-hmm. happening. I don't know necessarily what they're supposed to be. Like it couldn't. Or what if it's what is it saying? And I feel like that those are the clearest ties to the continuity stuff. But I don't know. I don't know, man. I do want to say that I love Big Barda. How fucking great is Big Barda? She's great. How fucking great is she? She's great. Ten out of ten. Ten out of ten. Ten out of ten. So fucking great. I am fucking in love with this Big Barda. She is goddamn great. I I really like the sexuality in this book too. Yeah. It feels wholesome, doesn't it? Yeah, it feels nice. Mm-hmm. It's just, you know, they're just a married couple mm-hmm. having sex. That's, that's, it's just nice. They love each other. Yeah. No, it feels good. <laughs> it's sweet. It really is. It really is. I think that's, I think that that thread through the book is, is in their relationship and how it feels like so strong and such a net positive like it it makes all the awfulness of this very palatable you know Mm -hmm. it's the it's the 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 sweetness that makes the bitterness you know palatable tolerable and i think that's the it's that those that dichotomy that, that that like defines this book where you have this one in one hand you have like this really this this couple that love each other and have a, such a nice relationship. They argue, sure, but they're they're rock solid. They support each other. They love each other. And they have this kid and they love the kid. And then on the other hand, you have just this awful world they have to participate in. And it's like, like it's this question that keeps coming up and I think that keeps tying into how I feel about this book is why do they keep going back? Why? Why don't they just stay in Earth? And not why don't they just forget about the fourth world? Are they worried about Dark Side attacking and getting to Earth? Is that the well, question? Well, they apparently can get there any they, they teleport directly into their fucking living room. Exactly. How are you gonna run away from that? And that, that I think that those, can't, you can't escape. The Oh, but that he's Mr. Miracle, Eric. He can escape anything. Yeah, by stabbing everybody in the brain. <laughs> he doesn't stab everyone in the brain. He stabs only Dark Side in the brain. Okay. He uses Orion. <laughs> Apparently. How do you do that? Can you explain the science behind that? I mean, I'll. You can make a knife out of your friends. That's. I'm gonna put that in my will. Yeah. So when I die. Well, what do you want me to kill when I make a knife out of you? Um. Who do you, who do you want? What do you want me to fight? I don't know. What, what depends. What kills me? I think. I think that's Fair. ultimately. Whatever kills me, I want you to the go kill that. wild boar that, that gores you. Or old age. I, it's hard to... I want you to stab the concept of... Of time. Of time. Mm-hmm. 
It's abstract <laughs> stabbings are a little tougher. They're a little harder. I mean, yeah. Eh. I can make it happen, though. I'm crafty. You'd have to be to make a knife out of me. Yes, that's true. Probably your 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 femur. Yeah. That's to uh, sharpen that. Or you can use a hip bone as like a club, like a yeah, like the Bible Bible days Goliath. That's what he. Yeah. Samson. They use bones as weapons. Mm-hmm. You are an ass. Ooh. <laughs> Eric, give me your thesis. What's the what's this book telling? What is this book saying? If anything. <sighs> I I um. To me, I just sort of see it, you know, it, it, it's the it's the product of, you know, who Tom King is as an artist and sort of these moments in where we are in comics. That's kind of how I see it. Um, it it is. Uh, it's good. I don't know. Um, it's it is tough to sum up that way. But, you know, I see it very much as a product of. Uh, uh, where we are in comics right now this is a very this is a very now sort of series if that makes sense it feels like it feels like one of the one of the best kind of statements that people are trying to take a character like this and and make and i think that that is kind of why i criticize the long form and say well what's next hopefully not not just a newer version of this what is next yeah i mean i couldn't have predicted this i couldn't have predicted um the vision i couldn't have predicted uh sheriff of babylon okay my question for you eric this is the more important question tom king's next book with mitch Gerard's. is it mm-hmm. nine panel grid again i would imagine yes they're gonna keep doing that for a while reclaim it from jeff johns doomsday clock man uh, that doomsday clock that's what's next i hope not i mean it's still coming Why out do you want to, you, do you want to read that i mean i we're gonna definitely read it when it's done well i, I guess i don't get a choice that's fine <laughs> i doubt i will 100 percent read doomsday clock i don't think it's gonna be good but we're gonna read it i think like i don't remember if i think it was it was you that said this that and maybe you read it somewhere that it could be a perfectly good comic book if it didn't, if it wasn't all the shit <laughs> that it is. It's not even necessarily the writing as much as like, let's put these characters together in, in a box and shake them together. You know, if it wasn't Watchmen, maybe even if it wasn't DC, it would be a pretty good comic. Have you seen the early stuff from the Watchmen television show? No. You should not seek it out. It will enrage you. Well, man, they can't make the shit worse. <laughs> <laughs> From what I've seen. Fair enough. There's an early production shot of just a set and then there's a bus. And uh, do you remember the name of that character? The one that had uh, the noose around his neck? That in the first version of the group in the Watchmen, Mm-mm. I forget his name, but he had a, he was always wearing oh, the, the hood. He was he was yeah he was called the, the hooded. He might have, it might have even been Hangman or something. Like the the hooded Justice was possibly a different person. 
Like I think he, I think he became Hooded Justice. I don't remember. He had a or an, an, rumored to be the same person. Yeah, I, he, I can't remember. There's, there's too much. So I'm gonna just. This is what this is one of the first thing I saw. There's more stuff, but this is all I'll tell you is that there is a bus in the in the new show that has an advertisement on the side of it for mm-hmm. a making the murderer style show about that person, about that hero. Well, in, in this new in the this is it, this is Watchmen. This is not. I think this is a future time ta- ta- future of from. Like Watchmen happened, and this is in the future of that is is what I I've yeah. gathered, and that that is what is their their fake their fake making a murderer show about their superhero guy is just a, it, that is set dressing. That is, I doubt it will be central. And to it's the not going to be a heavy prop a plot point. No, I doubt that. I think it's they've already cast older versions of Ozymandias and all the surviving characters. So, it's a weird thing. It is a weird thing. Um, Mr. Miracle is really good. I think there's no question there. This is, um, this is a good comic and I think a pretty worthy successor to, um, I mean, uh, the two primarily that we've mentioned being Vision and, uh, Sheriff of Babylon. And it feels, I mean, if you didn't know anything about them, you would probably put them in the same category. Yes. You know, they're maybe not thematically similar, but maybe tonally. I, they're not, I don't mean entirely. There, there are a lot of similar themes. I'm not saying, yeah, I I might, I might have misspoke slightly. I'm not, I'm not, I'm there's, cause there's an interesting uh, quote from Tom King recently. He's like, uh, he was talking, he was talking with Brian Michael Bendis. When Bendis first joined DC, they had like a little interview. Mm. They interview each other. Mm. And Tom King, Bendis has been writing comics for a lot longer than King has. And it's kind of interesting seeing their the difference in their points of view. But Tom King mentions talking about how when you start writing, you're writing everything you have in you. You know, he, you know, and for him, you know, it's him. He was in Iraq and, you know, he was work. He worked for the CIA and you see that in his early stories, they are, you know, Sheriff of Babylon clearly, but the other ones, there, there's still themes of war and trauma in them. And there's still war themes of war and trauma in this. And he's like, when you start first start writing, you are writing everything that's inside of you. And then eventually run out of that. And then you have to still keep writing. And I, th- I'm interested to see what that is. Mm. Yeah. I think that's part of what I was, um, talking about earlier yeah right but i i want to see him stop mining at a certain point it's gonna feel very obvious is is what i'm saying um we haven't talked about the art at all um not really aside from nine panel grids i don't i don't know that there's much to be said i mean i think mitch is uh very talented and i mean it's a it's a good looking book i like nick darrington a lot, although it is kind of jarring to me, the juxtaposition of a lot of these covers. Some of them are just fucking haunting, though. That that number 10 that he did of uh, Dark Side is Dark Side. very powerful. I thought you were going to stop there. What? Dark Side is. Oh, Dark Side is. Then yeah. you don't have to. 
No, it's very no. good. Those covers are excellent. I like I like that juxtap- I like that weird starkness of them between some of those like almost cartoony um Nick Darrington covers at times and then like the variants from Gerard's and yeah. then the are and then the obviously the the interior art just really you know starkly different. Mhm. I kind of like it. It's like getting splashed with cold water. Yeah. I think that Gerard uh, Gerard's is um I think he's almost more well suited to um to these kind of superhero comics. I mean, this is a weird story and the sort of frank boring reality, you know, like that was what made Sheriff of Babylon work is like it feels very grounded and real and not exaggerated. And it has this horrific violence. And this is very weird characters and they're grounded and real and they're shown in not very exciting ways, you know, taking a shower, shaving. I mean, that the juxtaposition of the reality of that is, is very interesting. It is making some kind of statement. Um, no, it's it it's it's interesting that way. It's thoughtful, you know. I believe that in both situations, King is is writing to that. It, it it's it is making some kind of statement. He's using them in the right way. They're they're clearly thinking about it. Yeah, I don't. I I. It feels like he's gotten better since Sheriff of Babylon. I think I, it's less it's less stiff, maybe. Yeah, I I think he was he was certainly very good, but. The, um, you know, the color and the production combined with the, the, the drawing in these, it's all a very good, cohesive package. You know, it, it is, it's very easy to fall into a sort of coloring book mentality uh, with comics that like, I'm doing lines and you're doing color and, and, you know, it's not really a fusion of the two things. It is, um, you know, this is this is this is two things becoming a cohesive unit. You know, it, it they work well together. They're they're all telling the story together, and that's that's better than each thing doing its own thing. I mean, I think this. I I don't know if I don't I don't know this book overall feels more. I don't want to say cohesive because I don't think Sheriff of Babylon wasn't cohesive. I think just mm-hmm. this is more single-minded. Yeah. And I think that is – it helps everything. It, bu- yeah. it buoys the art makes it even better than it already is, which it is already very good. Um, mm-hmm. Because I think that's a lot of – I don't know. I think a lot of art just benefits just from focusing on here's the things we can do and what we are doing. And it lets you make that the very best version of that one thing, you know, like this nine panel grid. I'm, I am not tired of it. I, I, I'm, I like it. I like it a lot. I'm interested. I don't know. I, I enjoy it thoroughly as well. I'm curious to see like what happens with it. Where does it go? Does, does it, they're not done. I, I don't think they're done with it. I don't know what, but there's just more places to go with it. I think, I think there's still a, possibility I, I think back to that um that moon knight issue with, with uh 
where you are seeing the people die, <laughs> mm-hmm. and they're they and they're, they're the panels are different heads, and as they die, the panels just go away. And as you go through the book, there's just less and less on each page. I don't know. I think there's just there's a lot there's space, there's so much space. Comics are infinite. There's infinite places for storytelling possibility. Um. Okay. This is our this is a our, our our fantasy forecasting. What do you want their next book? If they have a character, let's say okay, they get a DC character to be the next book is going to be about. What DC character do you want? I don't know. I don't know. I think I Superman. Just just either Superman or Swamp Thing. Those are the two the two I want because that he one did a, he did a killer swamp thing, didn't he? Yeah, that one issue was them together on Swamp Thing, yeah. and that was with Batman, and that was goddamn good. It was surprisingly good, and it was the best Swamp Thing voice I think I might have ever heard. Yeah, and that little bit of Superman in that last Heroes of Crisis book, talking to the camera and talking about his dual identities. I want that. I want that. Give me a book where. Superman is talking about that. Figure, figure out what Clark Kent is and what Superman is, what Kal-El is. And we'll see. Whatever it is, I'll buy it. <laughs> and it'll be good, probably. Anything else you want to talk about, Eric? Anything we haven't really touched on? No, I don't think so. Okay. I think that's it. I'll wrap, I'll wrap us up, uh, up our discussion on Mr. Miracle. It's a great book. If you haven't read it, go read it. Highly, high, Another Tom King uh, home run. Tom King and team home run. Just so good. Um, we'll have our next episode in a month's time. We are, Eric and I both will be traveling, being busy. Uh, so in a month's time, we'll have a new episode. And in that episode, we'll be discussing the entirety of Miss Marvel, the first nine volumes of it, the first nine trades. That's the entirety of the first, the first series and all the collected of the newest series, which all adds up to nine volumes. Um, we are both super huge fans. Of Miss Marvel, but having a, a a portrait of the entire thing so far, I think was going to be very interesting because she's the best new character in comic books since who? I don't even I don't even know that that's a I don't even know that that's an important question. Mm. She's just the best recent character in comic books. I mean, I would put her top five personal favorites honestly oh lord yes um superheroes in particular um but we'll talk about that next time in, in, a, in a month so it's a plenty of time to read all those comic books if you want to if you want to read along with us um that'll do it for us today we are the hands boys comics hour you can find us handsome boys comics hour.com links to our facebook facebook.com slash handsome boys comics hour twitter at hbc hour email us at handsome boys comics at gmail.com um, reach out to us follow us like us we like that you can subscribe to us on apple Podcasts or whatever podcatcher you use um give us a good review five stars or whatever tell your friends to go listen to us to check us out we appreciate it um if you're telling people to go check out a new episode for the first time i suggest our watchman episode i think it's still the best one we've ever done episode 100 um you can find me online on twitter at Robbie Dorman. Eric, where can they find you and your things online? Well, you can see my portfolio by going to freewillunlimited.com and you can see the other things I get up to by going to ericzgoodnight.com. That includes my Instagram and my Twitter, where I'm known on both. 
as Easy Goodnight. Well, that folks will call today. Have a good one. Rock and roll. Thank you.